Hi everyone, welcome to HubShots episode 91. We talk about the HubSpot reporting add-on and one of the cool things you can do with it. Unbouncing contacts, finally, and much, much more. This is a podcast for marketing managers or sales professionals who are using HubSpot or considering using HubSpot. My name is Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found, and with me is my co-host Craig Bailey from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? Yeah, well, nice and warm inside tonight, i got to say. We're recording this, and it's winter now, so yes. for our overseas listeners down under here, it's getting cold. I know. And uh, yeah, it's good to be inside, chilly nights. That's right. Recording a podcast. Great stuff. Now, Craig, on to our inbound thought of the week, posting less but better and quality of a quantity. This is a blog post from the Buffer, yes. so which is an app for scheduling social uh, updates, and they look at their what they they're kind of despairing around our reach on Facebook and social is diminishing, and of course everyone is getting this. You know, organic reach is almost zero, so you have to pay for reach. But then they had a look and they thought, well, let's actually get smarter about what we do post and see if we can increase our engagement, and they did. So this blog post talks about how they did that. And it's a long post, but I'll pull out a few of the points that they made. Basically, the less is more concept. And they said, right, we're only going to post our best stuff to Facebook. But what kinds of audience, what are audiences after? And it's this whole edutainment. It's kind of, it's either education or it's entertainment. And if you can combine the two, that's even better. So they did a combination of that really good edutainment pieces and that was some of their own content and it was some curated content. So they did that. They were very selective about what they pushed out and they did a few other things as well. But then one final takeaway is they boost with a promoted post every single post that gets some kind of traction. So as soon as they see something that gets a bit of a response, they quickly boost it for the day and they're spending about $40 a day on Facebook boosting. And so that's actually been their process. And they've, I think they've tripled their reach and engagement on Facebook. So a really good point there for market managers to look at, just this idea of, oh, Facebook's dead, you know, I don't get anything on social. Well, just by tweaking your strategy, reviewing of the, some of the things that maybe do work, you know, you get a lucky break, something goes, what is it about it? And combining that with promotion that you do have to pay for, there does have to be some payment involved and you can actually get good results. I think it's a great post, Craig. And I was looking at it and I just think we've got to change and adapt the way we're doing things. And I, I was quoting doing some social for somebody. And previously when you would have done it, you would have said, okay, look, this is how much it's going to cost to do it. And this time I actually added in budget to do this kind of thing. And I thought to myself, wow, that's a big shift in the way I thought a year ago to doing social. And I, and I see this happening everywhere. And I think people have to realise that you're in the play-to-play arena now so you're gonna have to pay to play the game yeah well you definitely have to pay but even if you do pay that's no guarantee of success exactly and this is the thing people have got lazy they just think ah promote it no worry no a lot of promoted stuff doesn't get any reach it's really about understanding the audience and yeah it's constantly changing which does make it hard so the tip we give this week is you know it's it's no longer vigilant in three months it's gonna ask something else has changed so you've always got to be testing and measuring, yeah. as we often highlight. Which is our mantra on this show. All right, on to our marketing feature of the week, Craig. Now, this is something that used to frustrate me no end, where, say, we have a contact that has an email address that's missing a AU or something's missing or misspelled email, and obviously the contact bounces and then obviously goes into this 
bound state. And then no further communication happens if email marketing is going out. And then going to try and fix that, even when you fix the email to get them unbounced is like a whole support with process, <laughs> Sorry, process with support. Now they've got this new feature where you can just click unbounce on the contact. Oh, look, finally, <laughs> finally. No, you know what's driven this? So many support, support requests. requests. <laughs> Someone was looking at support requests and saying, we're seeing a thing, <laughs> seeing a trend here. How can we solve this? Oh, that's right. We'll let them do it themselves. Solve for the problem, Craig. Solve for the problem. That's right. And look, it's really good because, and it's not only if you got the email wrong and then fixed it and the status remained on the contact record. It's just that sometimes someone's inbox is full, it bounces, you might get a soft bounce and then later some email snafu, Absolutely. hard bounce. But then you're emailing them from Outlook and you go, look, no, the, the email address is fine. It shouldn't bounce. It's actually perfectly valid. There was just some temporary glitch. And yeah, previously you did have to contact support. We've done this many times. We go, please, can you unbounce it? We've or even going to the point of deleting the contact and then adding them back in. Right. Oh, okay. Well, we didn't do that. We'd contact support and beg for it to be unbounced. And to HubSpot supports credit, they would do it very yes. quickly. They'd come back and say, look, have you confirmed it? They go, yes, we did. And here's the ones, <coughs> blah, blah. They would unbounce them. This just takes all that pain away. You just go through, Absolutely. unbounce it. Yeah. Less pain for us and less pain for HubSpot support. That's right. All right, Craig, and we have a bonus marketing tip of the week. Okay. So um, <clears throat> this is something I ran into. It's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty dumb. Right. So I was planning out this nurture sequence. Yes. Okay. And it had 28 emails in a, in a sequence. And we didn't have all the emails ready, but I thought I'll get the workflow ready. So we had um, the email stubs all set up as drafts. Yep. Right. They still had to be populated. We hadn't got all the contact from the... Uh, content from the from the customer. customer. So I had all the emails there. So fill out that the, the workflow, right? Right. We had the first three days ready. I thought I'll enable the workflow. It's all set, right? All, all I need to do is make sure that the future workflow is done. No, you can't actually enable a workflow. Because the emails some, aren't. If any email is in draft. So I found that out right at the end when I'd set it all up. So then I actually go had to go and remove all those emails and enable and then add them later, right? So... You'd think I'd know that by now. I didn't, and I made that mistake. I'm sure I've made that mistake again. Anyway, that's a tip for, for Yeah, and I think that's a, that's a tip to make sure that stuff's not going out that shouldn't be going out, right? Well, here's what I thought would happen, and I realise this is probably foolish thinking at the time, but I thought... It was an assumption. <laughs> it was an assumption. I thought, well, if the email's in draft, it can't go out. So you'll, they'll be proceeding through the workflow, and, and if, they'll basically it'll just out. skip it, but yeah. they'll still in the dark. So there's no risk, right? But no, HubSpot won't allow you to um, enable the workflow. Um, it's probably it's probably right. It's probably the right thing to do. But there's a little gotcha. Don't be silly like me. All right, and this week we have um, a marketing tip of the week, and so there are a few marketing tips here. And this one is something we come across all the time, Craig, where we meet people. And we meet them and they say, and um, we ask, what's your email, Craig? And you go, it's Bailey at gmail.com. And I run a business. That's not my email, by the way. I wish I had that. Someone else signs that. I'd love to have that. <laughs> but basically what we're saying is that there are lots of businesses out there that over time, you know, I, I have a business that I deal with that has a big pond address still because mm. they've been around a long time. Yeah. And they refuse to move from it. Yeah. So, so look, the, the point we're highlighting for marketing managers, the common pushback we get is uh, any free emails, we, we don't even count them. And, in fact, one of my customers said, oh, we don't even follow them up. If it's a Gmail address or a Hotmart, we just don't follow them up. I'm like, oh, 
Okay, well, it could actually be valid. I've got an example today. Had a meeting with a prospect that's now going to be a customer. They're the MD of a range of companies. One's a venture capital company. They've got some technology companies, right? UK and Australia, like big, like this is big stuff, right? Pouring millions into this tech company, all this kind of stuff. Anyway, he's got a Gmail address. Not only that, it's got numbers in it. Like it's, I showed you, I showed you the email address. I was like, would would you, you would assume this is spam, right? That's just Craig Bailey, 1978 at gmail.com. Something like that. Right. Uh, And I had a dot in there and all this, like you would assume it's spam. Yes. This is potentially going to be one of our biggest customers. Yes. And why am I harping on this? Because every marketing manager that we talk with, they always say, no, we don't want the free mail. We only want the the, the company address. Exactly. And you've got to chase up the email. You've got to chase up exactly. the emails and that. There could be gold there. Yes. And also saying that there is an option to actually block free email providers yes. in a HubSpot form. So I'd be wary of that. Yes. Don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah. Unless you've got really good data to support the reason why. <laughs> yeah. And especially if it's on a pricing page or a contact us page, you've got to accept those addresses. Yeah. Right. Because, yeah, they could be valid. As we've said before, Many people like to use a personal Gmail address because maybe they're going to move on from a company or, you know, they keep the Gmail address. So it's actually a good way to, they don't often turn up in the bounced emails, right? Gmail address, you won't see bounced unless it's actually wrong. But yeah, you'll keep them. All right. Tip number two, Craig, it's a data box tip. Now we've talked about data box in previous episodes, but um, tell us about this tip. Yeah, look, I won't harp on this one, but this is just a blog post where they talk about how they use Databox for full end-to-end reporting. It's worth just having a quick look through. Won't dive into it here, but if you are using Databox, which is a a third-party reporting tool that will pull HubSpot stuff through, worth having a look at that. Yes, and Databox pulls more than HubSpot stuff through. Oh, yes, it does, yeah. Um, So if if you're not using HubSpot, it's actually a really good tool to consider using. It is. We're we're actually using Databox with most of our customers now. I really like it. All right, and number three, the Digital Marketers Framework, Craig. All right, so this is a slide share presentation from Rand Fishkin where he talks about the problems that we have as marketers coming up with a marketing framework. And so he just looks through what we want to get to is a nice ordered list of channels and tactics to attempt, nice plan, but we get so distracted with a bunch of things. So here's a slide share or slide deck where he walks through how to get there. And um, the, the, basically the journey takes you through about getting an audience, finding their problem, what's the market that that can be addressed with, existing solutions, your channels, how to position it, and then the message. Looks obvious in hindsight, guides you through it, so a good refresher for marketing managers to give a bit of clarity there. All right, onto our HubSpot sales feature of the week. And this is uh, where you're going to talk about the HubSpot reporting add-on, Craig. I am. And um, now... How, just explain to us yeah. how you've actually used this here and why it's important and what you've tried to do previously Yes, to kind of get the same data but gone through a lot of pain and heartache. Okay. Now, the reason I was kind of sniggering in the background there is because the, hub, the reporting add-on uh, costs money and I, I am of the view that it's overpriced, as many are. And so I'm, it's not something that we'd normally highlight on the show because it is an expensive add-on. Uh, however... There is value. There in are this. some cases where it provides enormous value. And in this particular case, for a customer, more than covers the cost, the monthly cost of the reporting add on for them. 
Not for all of our customers, yeah, right. but in this particular case. Yes. And I'll explain what it is. And I know a lot of people really, they're negative about the reporting add-on. And I think I have been in the past as well because I, yeah, for the very reasons we've said, here's actually a positive. Here's a highlight. Here's, here's a positive message about the reporting <laughs> add-on. Okay. So what we wanted to do is look at across their life cycle, uh, you know, like lead, marketing qualified lead, sales qualified lead, across their leads, what the sources were organic, direct, paid search, paid social, those kind of things. And we wanted to get like a total for each month and to be able to break it down and say, well, we had this many leads that kind of came from these channels. But the marketing qualified leads from those leads were kind of these channels. This is what driving them. And then uh, what turned into sales Sales qualified leads and even opportunities as well. But, you know, when it gets to opportunities, it's almost because they're much smaller in number, you can actually look at them individually and so that's actually really hard to do. Yes. So if you don't have the reporting add-on, what I actually did for them is I created smart lists for all the different permutations. Okay, how many leads from AdWords? How many leads from this paid source. social? Yeah, okay. And we actually came up with some really interesting results. Like we had organic was high and yeah. then we actually had paid Facebook. was really, It was working better than LinkedIn for a B2B company. So this yeah. was actually a revelation to them. But that took a lot of time to do all of that. So then... Looked at this reporting add-on and it's so super simple. And so I've got some screenshots here of, uh, this is actually from my portal, not theirs, uh, just to show some numbers. The really useful one is the way that data can be tabled. And so I've got a screenshot of that and it's really just across the top is the channels they came from and down the side is the the life cycle stage, lead, marketing, qualified lead, et cetera. And you can see the numbers there and it's really good at, quickly giving you a snapshot. And of course, with the reporting add-on, when that's on your dashboard, you can set date ranges and really drill in. So this is a perfect, I think, example that I will use with customers about where the reporting add-on provides a ton of value. Yeah. Excellent. All right. On to our opinion of the week. And Craig, I I really loved reading this. This is from a venture capitalist called... There's Thomas Tungs. Yes. And we're referring to a particular post you wrote about the unbundling of Excel. I'd like you to explain it because you explained it really well to me earlier. And there was so much of value in there that we want to highlight to all of our listeners. So take it away. All right. So read his blog post to get the full story because he he explains it better than I'm going to explain it. But if you think about Excel, actually think about Microsoft Office. Yep. A billion users globally, let's say. A third of them use Excel. Let's say 300 million, right? And basically when people use Excel, it starts really simple. I just do a calculation or a formula yeah. or a bit of a graph. And before you know it, it's grown like weeds and it's, it's actually powering complete processes in businesses. And so an example might be CRM. Oh, we, we've got all our contacts in a spreadsheet because we add columns, we do all this kind of thing. The users of it now understand the value of, say, recording contacts and various attributes of contacts. And so then what happens, and this is where he's talking about the unbundling of Excel. He says, someone comes along and says, oh, okay, I can see how you're using that to provide a process. I'm actually going to provide that solution, but in a different way. And of course, say HubSpot CRM might be an example. I can see what you're trying to achieve and you are using Excel to achieve as a CRM. I'm going to provide a tool that does it. Okay, that's that's a very simple example. His point is that Excel has been like, powering so many processes within so many businesses, so many different things, and the reach is so high that there are so many opportunities for people to say, oh, that little thing that you use Excel for, 
we'll create a little SaaS tool that does that. And here's another one, another one. And the point, and this is why we're putting it in the show for marketing managers, is that then there's a market there that you don't have to be groundbreaking or disrupting and, you know, whatever other buzzword you want to put in. You're actually taking a bit of pain out of a process that solved other pain. So they know why they need it. And then you're just saying, oh, I'm actually going to make this process a little easier for you, a little simpler for you, a little safer maybe, or a little bit more auditable or whatever it is. Even more accessible. Accessible, going to put it on your mobile, all that kind of thing. Yeah. And so the point of all of this is when you're as a marketing manager looking at how you promote your company's products, maybe instead of trying to say, oh, this is disrupting or a game changer and that, you're actually saying, I wonder if I'll tap into the emotion or intent of an existing audience. And you're just saying, we're just taking that process and we're just making a little bit simpler for you. To use your example for, we're just reducing waste. We're stopping you wasting time doing this rather than saying. Exactly. So a really useful article there. Yeah, I loved it. So definitely encourage you to read it and apply it to your business. All right, on to shot six, Craig, which is is a bit of a new one. More along the marketing and sales side. And this is the calendar tip of the week. And this is for G Suite users. So I only tell you this because I struggled with this. And so I use... I use uh, Google's G Suite for business, uh, which we both do. We do too, yeah. Uh, and then we also use the calendar that's on our Mac, right? The Google Calendar, yeah. Oh, yeah. no, you use, you use the calendar app. Yeah, you? so I've got the calendar app. I've got the G Suite calendar hooked up with my... So what I was doing when I was optionally inviting people was I'd never do that in Google and I'd always do that because I could never find out how to do that. I do go go into my Apple calendar and invite people and say, okay, this person's optional, et cetera, right? And I thought this is, I put up with this failing for a long time, only to realize today that it was never a failing. <laughs> so you're, you're saying that in Google Calendar, when you send a meeting request, you can optionally invite people in Google Calendar? Yes. And how do you do that? You do that by hovering over the little person icon beside the invitee and by... You'll see a little thing pop up that says, click to mark this attendee as optional optional or required. And then if they're optional, you kind of get the outline of the attendee. Now, you showed me this, which for I'm ever grateful. So how long have you been using Google Calendar, Ian? About seven years, Craig. Right. And you're telling me this is the first time you found out about it. Yes. That's ridiculous. You know what's, what's funny about that? I found out about this yesterday <laughs> after using Google Calendar for a similar time frame. And thank you to Liam for showing me this. <laughs> My mind was blown. I could not believe it. So there we go. There are, there are things that we do to navigate and waste time because we haven't figured it out. I hope we're the only two people that didn't know that. I yes. hope all our listeners are going, I knew that. Bunch of turkeys. <laughs> <laughs> all right, on to our resource of the week, Craig. And if you still think that AdWords isn't a valid market activity, this might help. Yeah, good blog post here from Seven Adams. So that's, you know how people say, oh, advertising, that's not inbound, that's outbound. Yeah. People still say that. Yeah. Right? Well, Hubs, in fact, HubSpot used to say that, I reckon. But, they, you know, the last year or two, they've, they've, We've changed, they've changed that myth. You know, and those, it's inboundy. It's kind of an, if it's done in an inboundy way. Yeah, right. Anyway, this is another blog post. So if you're still running into that, pushback where people say, oh, we don't want to use AdWords or advertising. We only want to use organic. Uh, Then this is a blog post to read. You know, there's some agencies that actually won't do PPC. 
So yes. you think that, oh, it's yes. not, not inbound? Exactly. I'm like, gee, how can you... How can you actually think you're giving your customers the best, you know, results? But anyway, there are. All right, Craig, on to our final shot eight quote of the week. And this is from James Kerr, who wrote the book Legacy. Talks about successful leaders look beyond their own field to discover new approaches, learn best practices and push the margins. They then pass on what they have learned. And that last bit is crucial, isn't it? Passing it on. Exactly. And I think I'm in line with this. I remember someone telling me in Steve Jobs' book is that he used to actually go to car design shows or car shows or something, and he'd actually get a lot of his inspiration for the products from automotive manufacturers. Right. So he, I think this ties in really well with, with, with that quote that we've just pulled out. So there you go. I encourage people to actually, even if it's one day a month, go and do something that's totally different to what they have ever done before. I'll give you an example. One day I do have a friend that roasts coffee and I spent a whole day with him learning about how to roast coffee and all the things. Oh, it was so me about this. Yes. And I absolutely loved it and I learned something different. So I would encourage you to do that and broaden your horizons and see things differently. Yeah, and you can look up Bauhaus movement if you want. Google that. Put a show note because that's that whole concept of design, form, and function together. Yes. All right, Craig. We're at the end of our show. There so are some bonus links. So tons of bonus links again. That's right. Go have a look at them. Lots of good things to read on about. We'd love you to leave us a review on iTunes and join our WhatsApp group and our Facebook group and interact with us and help us stretch ourselves. And until next time, Craig. Catch you later, Ian. Hey there. Thanks for listening to this episode of Hub Shots. For show notes and the latest HubSpot news and tips, please visit us at hubshots.com.